On this episode of Bright Future, I discuss last week's State of the Union address delivered by President Biden, which seems to twist facts at best and outright lie at worst. This is a weekly political podcast that follows current events and seeks to improve so that there may one day be a bright future. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam. And without any further ado, let's begin this week's episode, which I have titled, We the Perfidious. The State of the Union Address is a yearly speech that is supposed to fulfill Article 2, Section 3, Clause 1 of the Constitution. The President is to periodically inform the Congress of the current state of the Union, and to recommend measures that he deems necessary and expedient. Last week's speech, which happened on Tuesday about an hour after the last episode came out, was an hour and 20 minutes long, during which time Biden outlined his past actions taken, what effects those actions were having now, issues that have yet to be addressed, and finally wrapped it all up with a closing statement about the overall status of our union. And I saw a lot of problems with this speech, most of which I have talked about in previous episodes. For the first 40 minutes, Biden pats himself on the back for actions he's taken in the past. He talked about capping the cost of insulin at $35 per month and limiting costs of prescription medicines for seniors. And occasionally, some members of the Congress would boo at these things, to which Biden responded, look it up. And this was the first thing I was considering naming this episode, look it up, because I don't think you should need to look these things up. Instead, Biden should explain how these things work instead of just pulling a Todd Howard. It just works, right? Because if Biden spent a few minutes to take his own advice and look it up, he would notice that while he did, in fact, cap the cost of insulin at $35 per month, he did not, however limit that limit the total cost of insulin to just $35 a month because according to the wording of the inflation reduction act the remaining cost of insulin was put on people's health insurance so instead of lowering the cost of insulin you just moved the cost to the deductible for your health insurance and also raised the rates of insurance in the process Biden would also notice that limiting the cost for prescription medicines has a fatal flaw. The wording in the Inflation Reduction Act limits the cost per dose of the medicine. This leaves open a massive and simple loophole. Big Pharma can simply make doses smaller, so people need to take multiple doses. It's like serving size on nutrition labels. You simply make the serving size smaller, and then, the, and then base the cost off of the number of servings per container. So instead of telling us or the Congress to look it up, Biden should probably have either explained what the bill actually does himself, so we don't need to go and fact check for him. Because, as I have mentioned in the past, I'm not a lawyer. I do not speak legalese. It is entirely possible that I am misinterpreting what this law will actually do. But if this is the case, that is all the more reason that Biden should be explaining how it will work 
instead of just telling us to look it up. My next possible title for this episode came around the 40-minute mark into Biden's speech. You know that meme from the movie The Naked Gun? Of the government guy standing in front of the exploding building going, Nothing to see here, please disperse. It's around the 40-minute mark that Biden stops patting himself on the back and he stops patting himself on the back for actions that he's taken in the past and instead starts talking about the debt ceiling crisis. And I'll be honest, I had no idea this was a thing. So I began researching it. The debt ceiling is how much national debt that the Congress allows the Treasury Department to incur. The debt ceiling was last raised back in December of 2021 from 31.42, so currently the debt ceiling is $31.4 trillion. And we hit that ceiling on January 19th, 2023. According to reports from Wells Fargo, unless we raise the debt ceiling or pay back to get below that ceiling again, the government will enter default between July or September of 2023. If that happens, the Treasury Department will either default on payments to people who hold bonds, or stop payments owed to various companies and people that have been mandated by law but not funded by Congress. If the Treasury Department does either of those things, the United States dollar, and by extension, the global economy, melts down. So how do we prevent that? Speaker McCarthy says that we need to reduce federal spending, making cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. However, Biden insists that the only possible option is to raise the debt ceiling, and that Congress is obligated to do so. So I came up with the possible title, Nothing to See Here, because compared to most other news, the imminent collapse of the global economy seems pretty important. But instead of showing up all over news sites, the front page of CNN is all about the puppy bowl and superb owls. Nothing to see over here, right? The next possible title I came up with was Roughed Draft. This relates to a section of the address where Biden talks about introducing a bill that forces companies to show all of their hidden fees up front, which he called the Junk Fee Protection Act. And I thought that sounded like a great idea, and I wanted to read more about what this bill would do if it were passed into law. So I raced over to congress.gov, slammed Junk Fee Protection Act into the search bar, and... nothing. The bill doesn't exist yet. In fact, there are only two results from the current Congress, and they are both memos that the President sent to the Congress that mention this bill in passing. So, why talk about this bill and encourage Congress to pass it quickly if it hasn't even been drafted yet? If there isn't even a rough draft of the bill, how could anyone even start to form an opinion on it? Another possible title I had for this episode was Pretty Lie, Ugly Truth. 
Biden goes on to talk about various other issues that I've mentioned in previous episodes, and proposes solutions in ways that often twist or even outright ignore facts. It's a pretty lie, but it also means that the proposed solutions would be entirely ineffective. Instead, even though it's harder, it would be better to face the ugly truth so we can actually get to the bottom of solving these issues. For example, Biden insists that we need to ban assault weapons that are used in mass shootings. But as I talked about in my episode titled Divisive Action, a study done by Canada's National Library of Medicine found that 77% of mass shootings in the United States were committed with semi-automatic handguns. Handguns that would not be banned or blocked by any bills that are currently in Congress. That same study from the National Library of Medicine found that 98% of all mass shootings were carried out by someone who was mentally ill. Clearly, the solution isn't to ban the gun, especially if that gun in question isn't even what was used to commit these atrocities. Instead, we should increase access to mental help and possibly add a psychological evaluation to the process of purchasing a firearm. Biden also insists that Congress restore the protections of Roe v. Wade, which I have also talked about extensively in prior episodes. Abortion is not the issue. It's the symptom. It's a symptom of unwanted pregnancies, and if you find a way to prevent unwanted pregnancies in the first place, then abortion would only be necessary in cases where the pregnancy threatens the mother's health. So, how do you prevent unwanted pregnancies? It's been done before, but only on the state level. The Colorado Family Planning Initiative is a state law that started in 2011, and the initiative means that any woman over the age of 14 can receive free IUDs without requiring parental consent. And while this did have an upfront cost of $2 million, it has, over the past decade, saved Colorado an estimated $40 million in social childcare costs. That sounds like a pretty great investment to me. Unfortunately, due to various health reasons, IUDs may not work for every woman, but IUDs are also not the only form of contraceptive. I believe that, on a federal level, we should work on improving sexual education so everyone will know what kind of contraceptives work for them, and then provide those contraceptives, free of charge. This way, abortions are never even needed in the first place, and we sidestep the entire centuries-old debate. My next possible title was The Man Who Folded Himself, after the 1973 model of the novel of the same title, about a man who receives a belt that allows him to time travel. I chose this because Biden mentions that we need to ban internet companies gathering data on children and then using that data to target advertisements toward them. To which I ask, what year does Biden think it is? Because internet companies gathering data on children and targeting advertisements towards children has been illegal since before I was born. The law is called the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act, or COPPA, and it went into effect nearly 23 years ago. Biden probably mentioned this because the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, 
find Epic Games, an online gaming store, $500 million in 2022 for violating the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act. But since it's already illegal, why spend time to make it illegal again? To be clear, COPPA makes it illegal for internet services to collect data on anyone under the age of 13 in the United States. As a result, most internet services simply slap a 13 plus sign onto their websites because it would be too expensive to design a way to filter out the age difference. COPPA has also been revised by the FTC several times in the past 20 years to adapt to how the internet has changed over time. One revision even means that COPPA applies to any online service that is directed to United States users regardless of country of origin. However, COPPA is somewhat controversial, mostly because it encourages age fraud. If your only bar to entry for your website is a pop-up that asks, are you over 13, yes slash no, that isn't exactly difficult to lie about. Another major issue with COPPA is how it works from my end. Every time I upload one of these episodes, I find myself faced with a pair of checkboxes. Is this video made for kids? Yes slash no. Of course, these episodes, along with most of my videos or live streams, are not made for kids. They contain swearing and games that are often rated mature. But if the FTC disagrees with me and says, oh, but that video is actually made for kids, then the FTC would slap me with a fine. With a pretty big fine. With a $43,000 fine. With a fine that would cost me a year of my wages. Per video. And I do these weekly. Doesn't the Eighth Amendment say something about excessive fines? Lastly, one possible title I had for this episode was we the powerless, because listening to this closing argument, that is how I feel. My fellow Americans, we meet tonight at an inflection point, one of those moments that only a few generations ever face, where the direction we now take is going to decide the course of this nation for decades to come. We're not bystanders of history. We're not powerless before the forces that confront us. It's within our power of we, the people. We're facing the test of our time. We have to be the nation we've always been at our best, optimistic, hopeful, forward-looking, a nation that embraces light over dark, hope over fear, unity over duty, stability over chaos. We have to see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. We're good people. The only nation in the world built on an idea. The only one. Other nations are defined by geography, ethnicity. But we're the only nation based on an idea that all of us, every one of us, is created equal in the image of God a nation that stands as a beacon of the world, a nation in a new age of possibilities. So I've come to 
fulfill my constitutional obligation to report in the State of the Union. And here's my, my, my report. Because the soul of this nation is strong, because the backbone of this nation is strong, because the people of this nation are strong, the State of the Union is strong. How can you possibly say that the state of our union is strong? Our sovereignty was violated just days prior to Biden saying this with the Chinese balloon I discussed last week. It was violated again on February 9th with some other unidentified flying object entering Alaskan airspace, and even again on February 12th with another UFO over Lake Huron, and more recently, one more time. In addition, we are facing a major economic crisis that could very easily result in the downfall of the world economy. Meanwhile, our government is constantly locking horns over debates that are decades old, with not even a slight measure of progress. And if I, the people of this nation, are strong, why do I feel entirely powerless to do anything other than rant into a microphone? I'm told that my vote matters, but my choices are always bad or worse, and I can't tell which one is which. We, the people, feel powerless. But the worst issue on top of all of this is the blatant misinformation, the twisting of facts to fit an agenda, all used to divide and manipulate, not unify us together. Which Biden mentions, he said that we needed to see each other as fellow Americans and not as enemies, but he's also dividing us using the twisting of facts. So we, the people, are not just powerless. We, the people, are perfidious. I may not speak for the average American, but if I can, if most people feel the same way I do, then our country is rapidly approaching a state of perfidy. And perfidy means that people have lost faith in the government and are becoming disloyal. And while we aren't at the point of civil collapse, I have noticed that the more and more I look into our laws, the more and more I look into our government, the less faith I have in it. If you happen to be reading this in my book, instead of listening to it on my podcast, well, I hope this is the darkest hour moment that the protagonist goes through before saving the day. No one else is in the voice chat for this week, so it doesn't look like anyone else will discuss with me about this this week. So instead, I'll just go straight into my postscript here. As you may already know, I underwent a fairly major surgery in October of 2022, and have been on a rather long road to recovery. This experience does have me thinking a lot about the political aspects associated with it, like how healthcare is handled in the United States and surgeries on the reproductive system. So I've been working on turning that story into my biggest episode ever. But since that story is still in progress, it won't come out until at least July, but at least tease you with the title. Torsion Tank Check the description for more information, including the resources I use to build this episode, and all the places where you can find my podcast. You can also join our Discord server to discuss these and other topics, 
as well as join in when these episodes are recorded live every Monday at 7 p.m. Central Time. If you would like to support the show or spread the word, I have a merch store full of items that show off both the show's logo and icons for individual episodes. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of Bright Future. These episodes are released every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central, so I'll see you back here next week.